You're listening to an encore presentation of Zips Unlimited. This episode features Dr. Ron Levant, Professor Emeritus of Psychology at the University of Akron. This interview was originally broadcast September 25th, 2021. This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Dr. Levant has been kind enough to join me on the phone, and actually not your first time on this show. We've talked about a couple of these issues, I think, once or twice before, but you know, this really, uh, this particular discussion is geared around more recent research and the book that you co-authored with Shana Pryor. It's called The Tough Standard, The Hard Truths About Masculinity and Violence. Welcome to Dr. Ron Levant. Thank you, Chris. And and really, um, having followed some of your work, uh, this really this this general topic of of um, psychology of men and, and and masculinity and and some of the things that stem from that is really a lifelong research interest of yours, isn't it? Uh, well, not quite lifelong, but <clears throat> quite a long time. Um, I think my interest turned toward fathering in the early eighties. And out of that uh, grew an interest in the psychology of men. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I was in a unique situation at the time. I was a divorced, semi-custodial father of a pre-teenage daughter. <clears throat> I think they call them tweens now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, I was struggling in the role, and I wanted to know what uh, existed for fathers Um in terms of helping them uh, parent. And so being an academic, I turned to reviews of the literature and none of the reviews of the literature indicated whether the parent groups in the studies they reviewed included fathers. So I uh, concluded at that point that that parent education was synonymous with mother education. And at about this time, you started to see uh, uh, visible evidence of, of a change in father's role. You know, you had, you know, young men with infants in snuggly packs, you know, walking around Harvard Square or pushing strollers. Uh, so with one of my doctoral students at Boston University, uh, we cooked up, you know, kind of a, a way to introduce how to care for children uh, to dads. And that became the fatherhood project. Hmm. Um and from there, so my interest just simply grew. So much of, of, of this really, I think, you know, stems from what's probably an age-old argument that'll never really be 100% uh, agreed upon. And that's, for lack of better, you know, terms, nature versus nurture. Am I right? The problem with nature versus nurture, I think most scientists would agree that most of what humans do is some product of nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. But I think most would also agree that uh, we're, you know, a long ways away from specifying how that works out in any particular instance, mm-hmm. um, like childcare. You know, and I think it's um, it's a stereotype to assume that because women gestate and lactate, that they are naturally better parents. But if you look in the animal world, there, you know, ev- uh, examples abound of fathers providing uh, care to their offspring. So, um, uh, including, you know, in animals, uh, you know, close to us. So, 
So the problem with the nature versus nurture is uh, it, it really doesn't lead anywhere. Uh, the question is, you know, uh, I think more, uh, given the change in women's roles that began in the late 60s in what's called the second wave feminist movement that uh, dramatically altered women's participation in paid work um, is, you know, how will men's roles change in accordance? And that's, that's kind of really what I focused on. Mm. I guess I was kind of thinking more, um, you know, a little bit more recent in terms of the 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 research that, that, that you've conducted that has more to do with, you know, the masculinity and, and, and what that means and, and how it's portrayed and that sort of thing. Um, it seems like a lot of your research is, is, you know, leans a little bit more toward, I don't think it rules anything out, but, but rule leans a little bit more toward um, the, the nurture side of things that, that men aren't necessarily hardwired uh, to, you know, to, to behave violently or, you know, some of the sexual roles that we take on and things like that, I think have more to do according to your research with the way that we're influenced rather than our genetic makeup. Yeah, and I think that that really is a very good point. Let me <clears throat> cite a couple of facts for you and the listeners. Um, the vast majority of gun violence in the United States is committed by boys and men, somewhere close to 90 percent, uh, particularly if you're looking at uh, gun, you know, violent crimes. But the vast majority of boys and men are not violent. So, you know, uh, to really understand that, you can't kind of uh, go to some sort of universal explanation like testosterone, mm -hmm. uh, which is we can get into, but the, the research on testosterone is uh, controversial. And you kind of have to look at what makes the difference. Why are some boys and men violent enough to kill other people? And why are most boys and men not? And to me, you know, that that um, the answer to that lies in, in a very close examination of masculinity. Now, that in and of itself is a controversial term. Um, you know, among the public uh, who are not necessarily, you know, psychologists or sociologists, uh, they think of masculinity as, you know, essentially uh, being male. Um, you know, it's almost like uh, it comes with a Y chromosome. But psychologists and others think of masculinity as a performance, a role performance that <clears throat> is shaped by a set of uh, norms, social norms. And in our society, we have lots of social norms. I'm sure you're familiar with social norms. We have norms for how close we can stand to each other, which differ from other societies. Uh, we have norms for uh, holding a door for someone we're going through. We also have gender norms, <clears throat> and these gender norms are changeable. Um, they vary by culture, they vary by historical era, um, and, um, and they are taught to children from a very early age. So I have focused on that aspect of it, you know, the gender norms, the masculinity norms. So uh, does that kind of get at the question you asked? Oh, yeah, I think so. And it, and it seems like, you know, those those influences come probably from a lot of places. I would I would assume parents would be, you know, number one, um, but probably siblings and, and, and really probably a lot in, uh, you know, the way we handle things in schools. And I'm thinking particularly of the media, uh, the way that, you know, the men are portrayed. And we, you know, I think teach young boys that, 
you know, in, in movies and TV shows and so forth, you know, kind of perpetuate, you know, some of the things that you were just starting to describe, you know, yeah. um, things that are societal norms, but you know, they're, they're things that we're creating. Um, you exactly. know, yeah. And have I, you gone into a toy store recently? Uh, no, I actually haven't. <laughs> yeah. I, <clears throat> I have grandchildren, so I have, um, and, um, it is the most gender segregated environment I've ever seen. Uh, you know, the girls' toys are all pink and frilly and dolls and this sort of thing. And the boys' toys, you know, are all aggressive, you know, um, uh, cars and trucks. Um, there's, uh, you know, for toddlers, uh, there are these walkers um, that, you know, they can use to kind of learn to walk. For uh, boys, the walker is a truck, as you would imagine. For girls, the walker is a shopping cart. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Think of the implications of that. What what message are you sending to, you know, toddlers, toddler girls about their role as, you know, their future roles? But um, you know what? But there are some people listening to this probably saying, well, so what? So let, let the boys have the trucks and let the boys be tough and go ahead. The boys shouldn't be crying. And, you know, all these things that we hear, you know, some people are probably saying, the lines have blurred so much. Maybe we need to go back and we, you know, we need to assume, assume the proper roles. You know what I'm saying? I'll bet there are people listening who think that, what would you tell them? Well, um, I would say, first of all, <clears throat> that, um, the, the roles of masculinity and femininity are out of sync and have been for a number of decades. Um, you know, my earlier comment about change in women's roles, Back in the 50s, if you look at the sitcoms of the 50s, like uh, Ozzie mm -hmm. and Harriet or Father Knows Best, the woman's role was as a homemaker. And um, but, you know, as I just said, obviously that has changed. Just look at the campus. Look at the proportion of uh, men and women students on our campus. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's so women's roles have changed. Men's roles, not so much. So uh, are men going to, you know, kind of get in sync? Um, you know, with women, um, um, you know, particularly for heterosexual men, are they, so this is kind of a, actually these roles have been changing over the decades and we're seeing, we're talking about paternal behavior. <clears throat> we have seen some dramatic changes in paternal behavior, uh, back to the sixties, uh, fathers, um, did very little fam what's called family work, which is childcare and housework. Uh, a tenth of an hour a day. That's six minutes. Mm. <laughs> and the rest fell to the mother. Um, and um, But the most recent study that's been done using uh, the rigorous time diary method, which was actually done in 1995, indicated that uh, uh, while mothers, and, and this, was, this is a study of, of uh, couples where both parents worked, uh, mothers perform 62% of the family work, that's childcare and housework. Fathers, 38%, that's a, dr a big improvement from six minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And uh, men had 10% 10, um, uh, more leisure time than women. So men's roles have changed. Um, you know, some aspects of the traditional male role, you know, need additional changes. But the other reason is some aspects of masculinity are connected to violence. 
And I focus on violence. I, I do want to make this point about violence that in the United States, on average, there is one mass shooting a day. Mass shooting is defined as four fatalities, not including the perpetrator. So that's on average one a day. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's shocking. <laughs> it's just shocking. And, um, you know, and, and, and shootings are occurring everywhere, even grocery stores, pharmacies, sports venues. I mean, so I, I think we've kind of maybe as a society have become inured to the problem. But violence in our country is a huge problem. Uh, in our city, in our university, we just uh, witnessed uh, a freshman woman uh, being uh, shot and killed mm-hmm. south of campus, right? Yeah. Um, so, so now, but what is it about masculinity that um, is related to violence? What do we know? I think that's, that's really the, the key question. And what are some things that we know? Well, um, we do know, first of all, <clears throat> that uh, most adult men do not either endorse or conform to traditional masculine norms. Uh, we psychologists, you know, have uh, we, we develop scales to measure thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. You're, I'm sure your readers are aware of that. And then we use those scales to correlate with scales measuring other things like aggression and violence or hostility, what have you. And about 45 years of research in psychology has shown that various masculinity scales are linked with harmful outcomes, including violence. Now, as I said, most men do not uh, endorse or conform to traditional masculine norms. And if you think about an established adult, you know, who has a vocation, probably you know, a primary relationship, maybe kids, maybe a mortgage or car payments, that man doesn't have time to worry about his masculine. <laughs> I may not be the most masculine guy in the world, and that's okay. But there, um, <clears throat> there's a minority of men who do worry about it, who um, you know, feel that they don't measure up and feel a great deal of shame about it. And this group of men... Um, uh, which have been identified in studies across a broad spectrum of, spectrum of disciplines, including social and counseling psychology, sociology, cultural anthropology, social work, and criminology. And this group of men, uh, you know, feel ashamed um, uh, or are made to feel ashamed of themselves for not meeting uh, the standards of masculinity. And there are various ways we just we describe that one, one term in psychology is discrepancy strain, <clears throat> referring to the discrepancy between their idealized image and their actual uh, behavior. Um, another way is threatened masculinity. And uh, this particular group of men in psychological studies are linked as close as we can get to violence. Now, Chris, you know, in psychology, you cannot do a study that actually produces violence, obviously. It's mm-hmm. not going to be inevitable. But we have other ways of trying to get at it. Uh, one is self-reported prior violence. And that, that's been done in studies of 
of perpetrators of intimate partner violence. Another way is uh, scales that measure aggression and hostility. And the third way is uh, using a proxy, like punching a punching bag. Um, and through a range of studies, um, uh, men who um, either feel they haven't measured up or are experimentally induced to feel they haven't measured up, and I'll explain that in a moment, uh, tend to be strongly linked to aggression and violence. So this group of men tends to be linked uh, with the indices of violence they were able to actually measure. And I, I said that some men can be uh, experimentally induced to experience what we call discrepancy strain. So these are studies uh, in social psychology where a group of men are randomly assigned to an experimental and a control group. The experimental group is asked to perform a task that's feminizing. Uh, and one, one task is to braid the hair on a mannequin doll and put pink ribbons in it. The control group is given either a neutral or a masculine task like uh, 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 tying ropes into knots, things of that nature. And um, then after the task, both groups of men are given the option to either sit quietly in a room or punch a punching bag. The results, what do you think the results would be? Well, the results would be that the, the men who are uh, feminized, that is, uh, asked to braid the hair, uh, more often choose the punching bag. Yeah, I guess that's not a big surprise. Yeah, no. But beyond the studies, what's really interesting is um, the linkage with real world events. Now, these are anecdotal accounts. I mean, you know, you, you really can't do scientific studies in the real world, um, particularly when it concerns violence. But um, a psychologist maintains a database of school shooters, um, it, which includes their uh, school records, medical records, court records, uh, diaries, manifestos, things of that nature. And if you search that database using the index term masculinity, well, I, as I did, I got 18 hits, 18 cases where masculinity was mentioned as a factor. And in all of these cases, it, it was about this threatened masculinity. These, these were boys, mostly, <clears throat> who uh, uh, felt inadequate, um, who had been bullied or picked on, uh, who were physically, you know, weak. Um, and these are the boys that turned out to be the school shooters. So we have real world kind of linkages um, uh, with um, this idea of discrepancy strain or threatened masculinity and actual violence. And uh, in addition, a study which was done looking at uh, newspaper accounts of murder suicides. These are cases where <clears throat> a man murders a bunch of people and then kills himself. Obviously that, that would be true of school shooters. If you think of Columbine, for example, but it's also in, uh, has two other categories, domestic disputes where a man kills his family and then himself and uh, 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 workforce uh, disputes where a man goes in and you know shoots up fellow employees and then kills himself. And the, the, 
conducting a content analysis of news reports, found that um, uh, many of these men, they found evidences of, of threatened masculinity or discrepancy strain among these men. So what does all this mean? This means that um, we do have some linkages for uh, explaining why some men uh, commit heinous acts of violence and most boys and men do not. And that is the men who feel their masculinity is threatened. As you said, there's, there's controversy within uh, really all of this research. It's a complicated problem, I guess is the best way to put it. Oh yeah. So I'm sure there's not a simple answer, but with that in mind, for people listening, who's, you know, what, what, what can the average person do? Is there something we should be doing different, something simple that we can do, um, you know, with our children or just within ourselves to help lessen some of the things that you're describing? Well, it's a very good question. And as an, as a, as a retired professor uh, who's lived his life in academia, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in terms of in the real world of dealing with, you know, solutions to real world problems. I mean, I teach and do research, um, but I, I, you know, I, I think there are a couple of things. There's nothing I, I can recommend that would immediately change the problem, but there are some things that might change the culture, which could change the problem. The first thing I would say is stop forcing boys to conform to masculine norms. Um, you know, uh, uh, one of the, I, I actually hadn't mentioned what these are, but one of the norms is restricting the expression of vulnerable and caring emotions. And, uh, uh, you know, boys are made to feel ashamed of themselves. You know, if they cry, for example, and, um, you know, uh, and there are linkages of, of, you know, this kind of socialization, <clears throat> you know, with harmful outcomes. So I recommend that we stop forcing boys to feel that masculinity is obligatory. I uh, was counseling a, a couple um, a number of years back, you know, who, um, you know, were college educated, aware people and, and they, they had a son and they, you know, wanted to ask me about, we, we really don't want our son to have to, you know, be unemotional, but we're worried about what might happen to him out in the real world. And, you know, I said, you're right to worry about that because, you know, uh, in our society, there's a lot of disagreement about masculinity, but what you might do is inoculate your son kind of prepare him uh, for the fact that some people, uh, you know, uh, do not feel that boys should not cry. You might have a conversation or several conversations with your son along these lines. And the son was about eight years old. Um, you know, in our house, we think it's okay for boys to cry. And uh, because crying relieves sadness and it makes you feel better. But not everybody agrees. So you have to be aware of who you're around because some people strongly disagree and feel that boys should not cry. And if you cry in front of them, they'll, they might get mad at you. So, you know, kind of, this is one way of counseling parents, you know, to allow their boys to have the full range of their emotions. Uh, the other thing is adult men, a lot of adult men 
cannot give a good account of their inner lives. If you ask them how they're feeling, <clears throat> they might tell you what they're thinking, or they might tell you what they're going to do. And this comes about because of that restrictive emotionality norm that you know most boys are socialized into. And um, you know, for some men, it may be very difficult to identify and describe their feelings. But for other men, it's really a question of getting beyond that feeling of shame that they might experience for violating the norms of masculinity and simply allowing themselves to feel and express their inner life, their emotional life. So that's another thing. I, you know, I would say to married men out there with families <clears throat> to try this on your own or with a friend and see if you can open up your heart uh, to your families. Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP FM. Z- 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 Z-